My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. And we are live with The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is one of my favorite times of the week. This is my space where I get to um, explore those deep inner realms where we really work against ourselves. The places where we stop ourselves from what we want. We think that we want. We know what we want. We go for it. Something keeps getting in our way, usually the different versions of the exact same thing. And this is the space where we get to go down, actually explore what is happening in those situations? If it's a relationship thing, what is keeping you single uh, when what you really want is a loving partner and that real emotional you know, support and companionship? Uh, if it's in business, why isn't my business growing? All sorts of things. So, um, and, and interestingly, all those things tend to have pretty much the same underlying causes, which I think we're probably going to get into uh, in this episode here. So this I'm very excited about. I have Bobby Kaler joining, with, uh, joining me today. And uh, she is, uh, she's amazing. She's had, she has an incredible story, which of course I will let her uh, explain to you in more detail. But, um, you know, I really have been excited to speak with you, Bobby, because, um, you know, we had a chat, we had a chat on the phone. We realized that our, our interests really overlapped quite profoundly. And honestly, there was just a, a spark. I felt in an, an immediate connection with you. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really kind of, excited to see where, where this ends up going and we'll just follow the flow wherever it is. So Bobby Kaler, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. I've been looking forward to this. Good, good. I'm so glad. So you have uh, an incredible story um, of, you know, really quite a lot of intense medical history uh, and some maybe a little bit miraculous medical recoveries. Um, and now I remember from our chat, you said you were incredibly active. You live in Colorado. Is that right? And you're out there just like living the dream. Also totally well set up for quarantine. So well done. That's you, right. Everyone. All the outdoorsy folks are like, ha, told you. <laughs> we are ready. For <laughs> it <this>. pays off. <laughs> so um, I'd love to for you just uh, introduce yourself. What is important for us to know about you? And um, we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. So like you say, I live out here in Colorado at about 9,000 feet. Um, my house is literally across the road from the Rocky Mountain National Park. So oh. it is, oh my goodness. You can't, it's, I'm, I'm so blessed. It's amazing. As far as professionally, I would say that I do a lot of different things, but at the core of everything I do is I'm always trying to bring hope, knowledge, and assurance that we can all be more successful and fulfilled if we choose. So, you know, I lead a lot of workshops. I, I've done keynotes. Um, I'm an author. I have my own podcast and, and I do coaching. I've actually coached more than 3,000 people in my life. Wow. And everything though for me is how am I helping the other person develop? How am I helping them become their best? Um, so that's kind of a little bit about me. And I'm also married to, I would say my very best friend. We've been together for 22 years, not married that whole time. Took us a while to figure that part out. <laughs> and, and we have a precious, beautiful Australian shepherd named Riley, who is our baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have actually very recently gotten uh, a little, a little dog and I haven't had a, a, a dog in a very long time. I've always oh. grew up with animals. I grew up on a farm. We had horses and and dogs and cats and rats and cows and God knows what. <laughs> yeah. And I just, and then I, I started my business and I was just like always inside and living that different life. And I just got this little miniature dachshund oh. uh, who is just, 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 just kills me. Just kills oh me. Oh my God. <laughs> They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. It's really, I feel a little bit like uh, having kids, which is not something that's ever really appealed to me. Um, some, some having had the puppies, some reason I can, I can see why. 
uh, and in other ways, uh, it's just an absolute delight. Um, yeah. Enjoying that process as well. I worry enough about the dogs and cats. I, I, I don't, I think I'd be too neurotic as a parent. I don't really do. It's funny. I just don't, I just don't feel any real desire for that. I'm, I'm 37. Like I think the desire probably would have come by now. Not that my- <laughs> I know. That's right. And you know what? It, it, that's okay. That's what I had. That's what I told myself. It's like, you know what? It's okay. I've got a lot of nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews and great, great uh, nephews. So I'm good. Yeah. You know, you get your fill. Babysitting, I have a goddaughter. That is the yeah. best. And then they go home. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> yeah. oh, Johnny, it's so great. Johnny gets everything in your kitchen sticky. Okay, bye, Johnny. It's been great. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> you want an ice cream sandwich for breakfast? That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you can do that because by the time you're that hyper, I'll send you home again. <laughs> yeah. My mom always uh, say that about being grandmother. She's like, can't wait to be a grandmother because I'm just going to give them gum and I'm going to give them candy and... They're going to love me. Yeah. We have to take them home and discipline them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They, they get to spoil them. The parents get to deal with it. Yeah. yeah I can see. I can see. I, could, I wish I could skip right to being grandparent. That would be great. So you have turned, and, and you're an athlete as well, right? Oh, yeah. Pretty, you go pretty far on that realm. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I am a road cyclist. And you know, I grew up in Illinois. And the reason I'm laughing is, if you've ever been to Illinois and then, you, then you've been to Colorado, you understand there's a huge difference in the, in, in the geography here. You know, so in Illinois, I never knew what the little, you know, the gears were for on the bike. And <laughs> I thought they were like decorations. Who needs, <laughs> yeah, who needs it? And then, so then when we moved out here and I started riding in the Rockies and I'm, you know, summiting mountain passes, it's like, oh, now I get it. So that's one thing. My true love, though, is cross-country skiing. That is, I just love it. I was out 96 times last year. I'm Today will be 44 so far this year. So I've got some ground to make up, but I've got plenty of time. So, um, and I think just my whole life, my whole life I've been an athlete. I just, I love being outside. I love sports and uh, yeah. So anything I can do that gets me outside, it, that makes me happy. Yeah. Nourishing, isn't it? That, uh, that earth. Oh, completely rejuvenating for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I also think it's it's interesting. Um, in some ways, it seemed I'd be interested if you if you felt the same way. It seemed a little bit like the this particular the, the nature of this particular virus um, is is like 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 custom made for the things that people aren't doing enough of. Like yeah, go outside sunshine turns I mean the vitamin d I was like you got to be kidding me really it's like but it's all the things that we've known have been so unhealthy sitting in a cubicle under the fluorescent lights it's like right you know and I don't know what it's like there but for for me I think one of the cool things is we see so many families because I mean we're we're pretty isolated I mean we live in a little community but it's it's largely like a resort community so we're one of the few people that live here full-time we're only 10 percent of us who live here full-time so we see all these families come up and they're outside, they're playing, they're going fishing, they're going biking, they're, they're sledding together. Versus last year or two years ago, you saw a lot of people, they didn't get out as much, you know, they're on their phones or whatever. And I think that's, I think it's one of the hidden benefits of the, uh, of the pandemic, you know, that we're kind of reconnecting to those things again. Yeah. Because if you don't, you, you get sick. Yeah. That's why, I mean, it's like we've evolved for millions of years to live life in a certain way. And then for a hundred years, we try something else and it's like, your body's just not built for that. No, we're supposed to move. I mean, that's, that's when we, that's when we feel at our best. I mean, the human body was built for movement. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love, um, you know, one of the things that you and I chatted about, um, that, that you sort of put out in as far as something that you help people move through, speaking of moving, um, is getting started. Um, <laughs> that you, you phrased it as, um, I can't remember exactly the phrase that you used, the, the, the just starting, the like just, just start and going. And that resonated yeah. so hard for me with my business because I was absolutely in that mentality that I think a lot of people have of just like, well, it's just not quite, it's not quite, let me just fix a few things. And it just, I just kept sitting still and nobody was getting helped. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know what though? Here's the thing. That's really common. I mean, 
when I coach people, I mean, it is, I, I think a lot of times we think we have to have everything laid out, right? We have to have all the little ducks in the row and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes there's such value. And I'm going to say, I think a lot of times there's such value in just getting started. You know, I, I always picture this when I think about just starting. I grew up um, in rural Illinois. It was like the tiny, tiny town. It doesn't even show up on most state maps. That's how small it is. And, but one of my favorite things is we had this creek that ran through town. And in the spring, during the spring thaw, up above this little dam, and I, it was a tiny dam, but we'd get logs and the logs would all get stuck there and they'd swirl and they'd swirl and they'd swirl. And then occasionally one log would break free. And as soon as that happened, it was like magic because the rest would kind of follow suit. Mm. And so when I think about just starting, that's kind of the visual that I have is getting that first log to go over the dam. You know, so there, there's a few things that I think go into that. And I think number one, it's something you alluded to there, is decide on a direction. It doesn't have to be the full plan. Just, mm. you know, it, it's like if you're getting in the car and, and I'm going to drive from Colorado to the East Coast, that's my direction. I don't have to know every road, every byway, every highway I'm going to take, but pick a direction, right? And then, you know, the second thing really is all about taking the action. Because to me, that's where the learning can happen. Um, and, and once we start taking that action, you know, that's when we can, what I call, learn our way forward, you know, so that we can really intentionally move forward that way. Because sometimes we don't know everything we need to know out of the gate, yeah. right? And then the last thing really comes down to managing what I call like that just wait voice inside of our heads. That <laughs> to me, it just keeps us on the bench. And, and I, I think that we can fall victim to that. So that's really what I think about when I think about just starting. Yeah, that is super smart. All right. So let's dive into that a little bit more. So you're in that moment. I'm like viscerally remembering this. I spent a long time. <laughs> I know a lot of people who've spent a long time there. Um, in fact, starting this podcast, I did that and I was fucking scared. I just didn't want to, I was just, and I'm like, no, I'm not wildly afraid of many things anymore. But like, you know, this is what a few years ago, but still like, um, it was, it was, it was a scary thing. So you're in that moment. It looks like nothing's perfect. That's how it looked for me. We'll use me as an example since I'm here. Um, so it, it looked like it wasn't good enough. Interesting. Mm. That phrase came to my head. Uh, it looked like it wasn't quite right. It looked like I never thought I'm not ready. It never looked that way to me. It looked like the product, quote unquote, um, was just was just not quite perfect. Um, and I did. I wanted to have a finished product before I put it out because I felt super represented by this thing. Oh yeah, so the what attachment is happening there. What's the? You're in that mentality. That voice is stopping you. What is your experience of what people of what is actually happening inside people in that in that moment? Yeah, I think that. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? There's a lot of things that can, can stop us. We can have an attachment to it. We can have, you know, there's some common ones, right? Fear of rejection. Oh, yeah. There can be fear of failure, fear of making a mistake, fear of what will people think. Um, those are the ones that immediately come to head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had the same thing, Dominique. When I was starting my podcast, I was like, what do you know about starting a podcast? And I'm like, well, I can figure it out. I mean, maybe not, maybe not the technology. Sometimes that, you know, still bothers me, but really, I mean, those are the things, I think those are the voices that we hear that say, you know what, just wait a little bit longer, wait a little bit longer. And then we never take action. And I think that's the tragedy when we don't take action towards those, those things that are important to us. Yeah. And those voices are so loud. And it's because they're total delusion. Like they literally actually in no, in no way exist. Like they, they're not real in any way, shape or form. No, they're just, you know, we make them reality. It's a Neo moment. We, we make them reality and we give them power. Yes. You know, we, we truly give them power. And, and, And here's the thing I think that's really important for us to remember. And I have to remind myself of this all the time. Those voices it's, they're there to protect us, yes. right? It's our brain's way of trying to keep us safe. Yeah. And, and that's okay. That's, that's a good thing. But just know that that's why they're there. And, and it's natural. It's okay. Don't judge it. Don't get caught up in it. Because the second we start to judge it, we're giving it power. Yeah. And here's the tragedy. It's done its job. 
because what it's trying to do is keep us from taking action. So if we get distracted by that, it's done its job because now we're not taking action. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, in my in my experience, it's it is actually yes, it's, it's there to keep us safe, um, and it's a it's a distortion of that that tendency, that evolutionary natural evolutionary tendency, right? Oh, to distort into a podcast isn't safe. You know, the 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 instinct might be that dark cave may not be that safe. Perhaps you shouldn't go in there. And of course, that person ends up breeding as opposed to the one who's like, nah, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, but you know, but then it, it sort of leads into this but it's a podcast. So I'm not in any kind of like mortal danger. And then, as you said, (laughs) focus to it, it's done. It's not really a bear or a tiger that's waiting to pounce. Yeah. You know, to your point, they become terribly distorted and then we can't recognize the difference. And it's, and there is a difference. There's really, there's really big difference. The, in 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 the work that I've that I've you know been teaching for almost almost twenty years now, I find that there's a way that you can go back and find where those voices uh, started oh, yeah. and clear them. And then for the most part, interestingly, mine are gone. And wow. they to be like constant. You know, yeah. the podcast a few years ago, right? So every once in a while, something will still um, bring up some version of it, but they can actually really go pretty much all the way. And this of course comes up all the time with men and dating because men are like, like mostly terrified of women. <laughs> I and we're not that scary. <laughs> I mean, we're a little scary, but you know, this is, this is fair, but fair, but like, we're not, we're not going to hurt you. Like you're not actually, again, we're not any mortal danger, but of course right. that fear of rejection does come up. That's um, right. And that has, and it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. So I'm curious when you say you like, where do some of those come from? Like when, when you do trace those back, as you said, they can kind of like come from childhood. Yeah, because it tends to, or our mind is basically associating it with something that is mortal danger. So mm-hmm. in the very, you know, very, very beginning, every human has a kind of a wounding or traumatic experience, right? And it's essentially like the moment when you realize your parents aren't perfect. Yep. Right? So this is like infancy, right? Or up to maybe like five or six um, tends to be the, the, you know, some woundings can happen a little bit later and something will happen. I always use the example of like, uh, there's a, a baby in a crib, right. And mom and dad are like over the baby and they're like cooing and baby's happy. Uh-huh. You know that everything's fine. Right. And the first yeah. thing and dad, dad leaves and goes to answer it. Moms are cooing and baby, everything's fine. And then dad comes back and says, honey, your sister's been in an accident. And wow. mom goes <gasps> and leaves the room. Now, from yeah. the child's perspective, mom, everything was fine. I was safe. And then mom switched into fear and left. Mm. And he doesn't know if she's ever coming back. Yeah. And so from that baby's perspective, because everything's just total uh, in- instinct at that point, that could be potentially a wounding experience for that child. And they'll wow. be like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I-, I-, I genuinely might die right now. And so they're yeah. really facing death and that gets lodged in the subconscious. And then throughout your life, you go, oh my God, if a woman ever leaves me, I will die. Right. Versus, no, it's actually, it's not, not that tragic. It's really not that tragic. I'm going to be fine. It's going to hurt. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And I'm going to be fine. And I'm going to be fine. And it's, I'm curious yeah. to know also what the relationship is between that and the lack of resilience, particularly in my generation, which is just about zero. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question, right? And I was thinking about it in terms of vigilance. Yes, you know, because we talk about that all the time, where we cannot perceive the difference between the real threat and, you know, that 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 hyper vigilance where we're always on guard and always worried. I mean, that can be. I, I've 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 had to deal with that in in my life. What was that like for you? Oh my goodness! Um, part of my story is I had a a tremendous, tremendous parents. My mom also had some emotional issues. Mm. Um, She was never officially diagnosed, but there were emotional issues. And so what happened is some days were really great. Some days were, you know, kind of hellish because she could be very, very violent. And so as a child, I never knew which state she was going to be in. And so I started being, I, you know, started really tuning into that and really perceiving, okay, what does her mood seem like? And when her mood seemed off, it was like, okay, 
what can I do so that I can prevent all this bad stuff from happening? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that was great because that's how I learned how to survive. And I actually, when I, I was, I've been tested for emotional intelligence many, many times. And one of my coaches in emotional intelligence, she said, you have almost prodigy levels when it comes to empathy, which is fabulous for me, right? It makes me great as a coach, great as a workshop facilitator. And it sucks sometimes because I'm always like hyper vigilant, like, okay, what's going on? It's like, maybe there's no danger, Bobby. So it's one of those things I always have to be aware of. And it looks like you kind of, you understand where I'm coming from, maybe. <laughs> I had that exact same, that exact same, similar trauma when I was, I was a kid. Yeah. And it sticks. And it was just like, she was just like kind of gone. And I was like, oh my God, here's my, my subconscious thing of being seven years old. If if my mom doesn't love me, then I'm going to die. Yeah. And so like, okay, I need to make sure she's okay. If I can make sure she's okay. And then she loves me, then I'm going to, I'm going to survive. And I went in, I was a people pleaser for like the next 20 years. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, people please are to the point of, I don't know, for me, close to a doormat. Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was about eight. (laughs) I was about eight years old when I had the epiphany, like, oh, I, I, I kind of have some of the parenting here. Like this is like, I need to take care of mom. Mm. And, um, but the people pleaser bit, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But you're not being real. You're not being true to yourself. No. That's, that's the bad thing because yeah. then you're not good for anybody else. Yep. And you're not accomplishing what you want. And it's a distortion of a core quality, right? Like that baby in the crib yeah. will develop differently depending on what he's already naturally good at. So you already mm-hmm. were emotionally intelligent. That's why you exaggerated that skill set. If you had no emotional intelligence, you know, if I throw something at you, you're going to do- defend with your dominant arm. You know, you use your- That's right. Defend. So I was naturally a loving child and I went into quote uh. loving- as a defense, which is here, I'll do anything so that you'll yeah. love me. And, you know, people didn't because they can tell. Can tell. Yeah. They can tell. And I don't know. I, some can take advantage. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's on us because that, that's something that we have to own. Because no boundaries. Um, and that was painful. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I think I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I'm like, what? What is going on? <laughs> I need to make some adjustments here. <laughs> Good for you for doing that in your 20s and not your 60s because that's what oh, yeah. yeah. Life is too short. It's just too short to live it that way. Yeah. You and know? that's something that I see that I find people miss a whole lot. I can't remember what I was talking about. I was talking about something with a friend the other day and I just came up there like, oh, how come you do this? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I just have really high standards for happiness in my life in that like, I just don't do shit that doesn't make me happy. I don't mean I don't do my taxes and just like, I'd rather not do my taxes. <laughs> Great. Like, <laughs> I never take the trash out. But like in general, <laughs> even relationships, people I think forget that relationships are voluntary. That's right. That's absolutely. I don't, do you know Thomas Leonard? He was the founder of Coachville. No, I don't think so. Oh my goodness. He, unfortunately, he passed away many years ago, tragically of a heart attack at, at, in his forties for crying out loud. Oh. But one of the things I remember him talking about was why do we have any tolerations in our life? And I thought, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's, and that's not to be intolerant, but if there are things that we need to set boundaries for, if there are things that we need, why are we not asking for that, negotiating, you know, that and being real with it? I mean, oh my goodness. I hated it when I, when you see people and they hope the other, they hope that the other person's going to guess what they need. Like we're not mind readers. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that in relationships. I would be like one of oh. those one of those women who'd be like, like, ugh, like I expected you to just know that. And just like, what? And now I'm like, I'm super direct. And yeah. and and I find that men in particular just really, really appreciate it. I'll just be like, Can you not do that? Because it, it makes me do like, Can you do this thing more? Because I really like or I love that you do this. Or it's just like Yeah. Like and, and it's easier. It's easier for everybody. It feels better. Yes. Um, and we're, we're not putting expectations on someone that they have no chance of hitting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost even not even about entirely, or I think the meat of it is just what you just said is, it's not even about how it's received, but how you show up for yourself. It's about speaking your yeah. truth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they may hear it or they may not, but the important thing for you is that you speak it because that's that you speak it with yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Could not agree more. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. These type of things, um, you know, and and I was also like very, very coy. That's funny, I usually talk about myself as much on the show. (laughs) I was also like very, very coy in relationships. I had a lot of negative pleasure and a lot of, I was just deeply insecure. I was just really, really insecure and it was coming out. Um, I'm amazed, amazed anybody dated me. Um, I wouldn't have dated me. I date me now. I'd be all over it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back then, not so much. <laughs> not so much. But I also didn't really like myself very much. I had all these like, you know, I had a lot of, yeah. lot of self-love and then I kind of did enough of this work and went through this sort of falling in love with myself process. Um, and that's important. So important. Oh my God. I don't know if there's anything that is more important than that. You know, I went through, it was a bad breakup in my very early thirties and, uh, and he had been, and, and I, this was on me, you know, cause I chose wrong and, and he was kind of controlling and which played very well to the people pleaser in me and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we, we broke up and I remember I went on vacation cause I, I, I paid for the vacation before we broke up and I'm like, well, dude, I'm going on vacation cause I paid for it. I'm going, he's like, I can't believe you're going on vacation. Well, it's not your problem anymore, is it? I don't need your belief. <laughs> yeah. So I went on vacation. It was to Cabo San Lucas. And every morning I got up like at 6.30. I went down to the water. I had a cup of coffee, a croissant, and I took these long walks. And it was just great. And I had the most star. And for the first time in my whole life, I think I really started seeing myself like through my own eyes, mm. not through everyone else's eyes. Mm. And I remember I was out for this walk. It was like day six or seven. And I was like, wow, I really like myself when I look at me through my eyes. And I thought, never again will I give that someone else that much power. You know what I mean? Because that's giving them our power. And not power in a bad way, <laughs> but, but truly like our personal, our personal power. And when we do that, that makes it. Then we, I think that's when you start playing games or, or whatever. It's, it's just a downward spiral. So anyway, that was, that was one of my big moments. I'm so, so glad that you shared that. <clears throat> You're exactly right. And that's exactly what it is, giving away your power. <clears throat> yeah. Like a lot of the things we've touched on are around giving away your power. Fear of rejection is mm-hmm. giving away your power. <clears throat> yeah. Get rejected. Why, why is that making your palms sweat? Why is that, you know, and yes, there's an yeah. easy case of, you know, if you're ostracized from the from the tribe, then, you know, there's equal death and things like that. But like, I don't know, I don't know exactly what the percentage is there, but there's like a lot of just giving away men walking up to women being like, Oh, she's out of my league. You've never Why? even spoken to this woman. She could be a terrible person. <laughs> you don't, you might not want to be in her league. Right? Yes, her league <laughs> be awful. Like all you know is that she's aesthetically appealing in this moment. Like that's all that you know about her thus far. Yeah. Yeah, and anybody can fake it for a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> anybody can fake it. Yeah. For for ladies, anybody can fake it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. But you're right. It, it is a giving away of power. And when, when in fact, I think it's just part of the the fear rejection. It's part of any. I hate to say game because I don't want to think about that in terms of relationships. Hmm. But like, I remember when I first started writing, I was reading this article about um, you know you're in the game as an author when you get re- uh, rejection slips. And I thought, oh, that's, because here's the thing, is every, you're not going to get a yes from a, every publication or every editor. You're going to hear no's. Yeah. And that's good because it means you're, you're out there doing the stuff you should be doing. And that was actually, you know, it, it was helpful. I still didn't like it, but it was helpful. Yeah. I like that a lot because it reframes the idea of failure. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness! Like not that clear. Just like perfection. I have a whole episode on perfection because like, you can't point to it. it; doesn't mean anything. No, it literally no. doesn't. You don't know when you're there because you're never there because it's really just an imaginary voice in your head. And it's like, what does that even look like? Like in the dictionary, right. like, I, I'm. It's gonna be something like you know, without flaw. Define a flaw. Something that's you know, without which you're perfect. It's like it's the circular. They're not. It has no. It's not point. an endpoint. No, yeah. it's not legit. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And oh my goodness, can that keep us from taking action? Oh. I mean, I, I remember one time, this was years and years ago, I was coaching someone and she was a former Olympic hopeful, like mm-hmm. on the Olympic, like the, the, the tryouts, the trials mm-hmm. to be on the Olympic team. And I, I forget if she was a gymnast 
or if she was an ice uh, a figure skater. I don't know what it was, but it was it was it was you know some sort of Olympic Olympic hopeful. And she was so paralyzed by I, I have to be perfect. And it's like, but and what we were talking about was communicating and and relating to other people. And I'm like, I don't know that anybody's perfect when it comes to this stuff. The most that you can do is be real, and 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 choose to learn and and just keep growing. But I mean, oh man, people get hung up on that. Yeah, big time. And so here's a thought that I've had that you know I'd be I'd be curious your your take on people. <laughs> taking, I guess it's not quite the devil's advocate at the same point because it's, it's actually leading to the same place. But I also noticed that people tend to say a lot that they're not perfect or that like, you know, nobody's perfect or things like that. <clears throat> so <laughs> I'm going to have a little bit of a mathematical mind. If nobody's perfect, then maybe we have the wrong definition of perfect. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is that? Maybe like, I, I think you're, you're probably like, completely and utterly perfect. Now, if we say that to a person, that would probably like freak them out. Like, oh, I need to be something. Why? You're already doing right. Like maybe you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're doing. And maybe right. further by definition, the fact that you're doing it means that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. In which case, everyone is already perfect. You're, you're exactly as you ought to be. Right. So is that more about a state of being versus doing? Yeah. Or a, a being as you are, as opposed to an, an end point, as you said, that's, that's unable to be reached. Yeah. And I kind of think that just being, showing up really as you, flaws, everything, that, that to me is, is, is and I hate to use the word perfection because we're just saying it doesn't exist. Look how, but much, it's kinda, how much charge there is around it. I mean, you can barely yeah. get it out of your mouth, right? It's crazy. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, in our, our previous house that we had in Evergreen, there's a tree right out back and it was my favorite tree ever. And I actually took a pic, many pictures of it because I loved it. This tree had been struck by lightning. You could see it had been damaged in a windstorm. And I think it had even had some fire damage. Mm-hmm. And it was so asymmetrical and like just, just misshapen. And yet when I looked at it, I'm like, that tree is perfect in its beauty. Yes. You know, and there's that, oh God, I'm not going to get the quote right. It's by, is it Elizabeth Kubler-Ross when she said, you know, the biggest characters have had the most challenge, the most adversity, and it's the scars that make those people beautiful. And that's a horrible rendition. I did not do that quote justice, but that's the essence of it, right? It's when we bring that, that's what I think is beauty. And maybe that, maybe that's different than perfection, but that's where my mind goes. Yeah, it's certainly, and this is something I've, I've said often in this show, is that it's certainly attractiveness. Yeah. Beauty being aesthetically appealing, attractiveness being something that just is raw, magnetic, that just draws you in some way. Yeah. And you know, okay, so this, I haven't thought about this in years. I hadn't thought about talking about it either, but there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things I wrote about, this was back, oh my gosh, a good 20 years ago. Because of my childhood, you know, there, there was some scarring that went on and, and you, you have to work through that stuff. And I think for a long time, I thought, oh, that made me less than like, it, like you know, all these little cracked pieces, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and at a point I had this visual of like a beautiful mosaic where, yeah, everything is broken, but the way it comes together is beautiful. Yes. I love that. And that was like, yeah. And I really wanted to go find like a beautiful mosaic so I could hang it on the walls, my visual. Because it's like, yeah, all those pieces, those, those make me who I am. You know, and I think that is, and it makes us unique. Because mm-hmm. no one else has had, no two people have the exact same journey. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You know, so that's kind of my, that was my visual from way back in the day. Hadn't that, thought about that in years. That is so good. You put that back in your marketing because that's that's legit. Like I thought I was broken, but really I was just a mosaic in in progress. Like I was just creating yeah. a mosaic. Like yes, <laughs> yes. Because again, if nobody if nobody has this definition of perfect, I'm definitely not perfect. Okay. I I think you are just. Like what, what does that, what does that even mean? But according to whom, by what definition? Whose criteria? No, I can't. Okay, cool. Then maybe there's something wrong with the definition there. Um, and, and I think it's how you, it's exactly what you just said. It's how you deal 
with mm-hmm. those little breaks? Can you get better and better? It's like the, 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 the Olympian doesn't start as an Olympian. They start com- like crap. You know, they start not being able to <laughs> falling on their ass in the ice, you know, like that's, that's right for like a long time. And then they start staying up on the ice and then, you know, however, it's like this pushing through. But if, again, if we turn our attention to the fear, we never, we just fall on our ass on the ice and go back home and lead a lesson. Cry. Yeah, cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, I, I shared with you that I love cross country skiing and up here, like it's not flat, right? There's hills and there's. And I spent eight years when we lived in Vail on a course. It was called Stable Flats, which meant there was no hills. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of bored with this. So I, two years ago, I decided I'm going to go on, on the blue runs. And blues are more difficult than greens. And then the black runs, those are the expert runs. Mm-hmm. And, and those are really scary. And, and, and I, you know, I found myself like terrified to go over these hills because I'm like, well, what if I fall? And my husband said to me, he's like, if you fall, you'll learn. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're not falling occasionally, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. So I have this rule to myself <laughs> and I'm the only enforcer of, but when I go down a hill and I crash and I do, I'm like, okay, what just happened? And I ski right back up it and I come right back down it because that's how I kind of start to harvest some of that wisdom from the fail, from the fall. And that's the other thing. It's not a failure, right? If I'm learning, it's not failure. Because what is failure anyway? What does that even mean? You didn't yeah. accomplish what you intended to accomplish? That happens on my way to breakfast and kitchen every morning. Like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I fell down. Did I fail on my walk to the kitchen? No, I just tripped and fell down. I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's just part of it. It's part of doing anything, you know? But I, that's, I'm just a big, big believer in the, in the learning from it, you yeah. know? That's huge. That's, exactly what you just said. I mean, I grew up riding horses. Oh my God, you got to get right back up. You know the adage about horses, exactly. <laughs> Five years of that, like, you, and you must fall off all the time, you know? Like, oh, now that is scary. When you fall off a horse, that is scary. Yeah. But I, you got to get back I, up. I prefer that to sliding around. I went skiing one time and I have older, two older siblings. I don't know if you have any older siblings or not, but they're all assholes. And, um, <laughs> mine were no different. And I went down the bunny hill, you know, I'm sure I fell. I mean, I was probably, probably so. Yeah. 16 years old. Was not, mm. And, uh, and I'd never been skiing before in my life. And they took me, it was either a, a blue diamond or a black diamond. It may have been like, are there double blue? It's a double blue. Oh my God. That's not even nice. Yeah. And it was the end of the day. So it was getting dark and it was, there was not that much snow. So it was quite icy. Oh, uh. Petrified. I was like, ah, I remember going down like inches at a time, being just like, this is not fun. <laughs> Siblings are the worst. Um, but it, but it was that type of thing. So now I'm, uh, you know, my idea of a great skiing trip is is going and spending a lot of time on the bunny hill, and then going and, and drinking by the fire in the lodge, like <laughs> snowy mountain view. Like that's that's my idea of a good time. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> you know, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. Nothing I, at all. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this this idea of failure really brings us again back to the sort of, sort of the stories that we tell each other and the association uh. that we make. There's a way in which, and I think this also comes back to the resilience point which is like, there's a, there's a way in which we're unwilling to live life. We're unwilling to just jump in mm. and go with it. And interestingly, I don't know, have you seen The Social Dilemma? Do you see that document? No, no, I have not. It's fabulous. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's explaining, it talks about social media. It's, it's made by the people who created the social media platforms. Hmm. Um, and they're talking about sort of how they work and how, um, you know, uh, you'll, you'll think that your viewpoints are entirely reasonable and they all seem very well thought out. And your neighbor, you know, especially politically, will think that something is totally, you know, your neighbor's supporting QAnon. And they're just like, that seems totally reasonable. And I can't figure out how you're not. You're just like, I don't even know how to talk, how to, talk to you anymore. Yeah. And so, and so there's this. Um, and so they explain why that's happening. And a lot of it's due to social media. Wow. Where are we going with that? Oh, so they're talking about, they said, this is the first generation of people who have grown up with social media in like middle school. 
Oh, wow. And so everybody's seeing themselves all the time. I mean, you know, we didn't have mirrors until like, what, a couple hundred years ago, right? Right, right. And so nobody ever saw themselves. And so, you know, and so now anyways, the, the, the teenage um, suicide rate has just, has just like tripled um, in yeah. the, it was like 2006, which is <clears throat> essentially when Facebook came out. And, um, and so it's showing all these, all these really kind of fascinating things. But um, again, this sort of over-dependence, A, on what people think of us. In fact, one of the points he makes, which is really quite fascinating, is, you know, we, that we're designed to care what the other person thinks, right? We're social creatures, mm-hmm. we lived in nomadic tribes, we're used to, like, that's a normal thing. But it's, it was only like, I don't know, 30 people, right? It was your tribe. Oh, yeah. Not 10,000 people. Right. And they all think of you and they don't give a shit about you because they've never met you before. And so they make a mean comment and that's, you know, people are trolling and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, ignore the trolls. But like, if you're 12 years old, like you're probably, or you're eight years old and you're on, it's like, and so there's this that's whole tough. like morphia thing that's happening. Yeah. I never really thought of that before, right? That, that we're wired to care, but it used to be with our tribe, which again, like you said, 30 people, whatever, versus the whole world or the whole school. Um it's so funny too, when you said the thing about we're always taking pictures of ourselves now, a friend of mine from grade school recently posted some, some pictures, you know, when they were actually pictures from when we were in junior high and you know what everybody was doing? What? Remember when we <laughs> you always used to hide from the camera? No, don't take my picture. And it was like, oh my God, that's so different now than that's what it so was. Interesting. Yeah. When no one wanted their picture, I, there were a lot, I have a lot of pictures of the back of someone's head. Because uh-huh. it always turned when I, when I took the picture. You know, and then we didn't have digital. It was like, man, you're wasting my film. <laughs> Come on, man, this Polaroid, I can't get back. I can't That's get back. That's right. <laughs> you know, this is expensive. <laughs> yes, that is so interesting. I do remember that. I remember not wanting to have photos taken of myself. No, no now we got, no, we, we do it all the time. Now it's incessant. I, I think yeah. I have. But the pressure. The pressure is massive. Yeah. And we put it on ourselves or we allow it on ourselves. Yeah. And it starts so early. It just, it really does. That the fear of what other people are going to think and, oh my goodness, and not being good enough, mm-hmm. you know. An, a, a, perfect, a perfect segue on our conversation of shit we, we wrap our lives around that literally doesn't exist. <laughs> good enough for what? Right. Right. And who decides? And who decides? And what's the criteria? And how do you win? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, ha- I hate to quote him now, but this was years ago when Johnny Depp was at like, like the height of his popularity before, he, you know, kind of had his meltdown or whatever. He was, th- he was being interviewed. It was some biography. And they said, are you upset that, you know, do you think it's a failure that you've never won an Oscar? And he's like, look, I long- learned a long time ago. I need to grade my own papers. And I thought, nice. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good saying? Like yeah. really grade your own paper, yeah. figure out what your criteria is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and somehow find a way to be okay with that. I mean, yeah. I know I've had to do that. Um, Cause if, if we're just chasing what other people think, again, it comes back to how do we really be who we are and, and we'll never be happy that way. Never. It's literally impossible. It is. It's like, and again, a, at the same time, deciding that perfection doesn't exist. It's like, well, yeah. either if, I, if I'm going to chase perfection, you're like, great, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to define it the way I want. This it's like great. chasing yeah. your shadow, right? Or a cat chasing it, chasing its tail, yeah. you know? And, and again, though, that's what I think it's a way we give away our power. Because mm. I'm saying I, it's up to you for you to tell me that I'm okay. No, 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 no. I, I can decide that on my own. Yeah. And I think that's important. I mean, the fortitude, even just the strength in you, as you just said that, like the strength of self is what Mm -hmm. I I feel is just really missing right now. And it's leading to a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, even in the dating world, men are afraid to approach women. I mean, they're afraid to approach women. They've they've decided that all women don't want to be approached. I'm Uh like, I don't know. I can only speak for myself because, you know, I do not think all all women are the same. So that's rule one is like, that's right. You can't possibly know what she's going to like and what she isn't. That is not your job. Your job is to, she says, no, you respect that. That's, that's it. It's not to be, not to guess what her boundaries are going to be, but also who doesn't like somebody going up and telling them how great they look like, right. That sounds awesome. I'll take that. (laughs) Most people don't get upset by that. And here's the thing. If they do, that's on them. That's on them. 
right? Yeah. And oh you my God. No, you and I are standing next to each other and I'm going to be super offended by that. And you're going to be like, oh my God, thank you. I was thank you. Dance. Yeah, I was, I'm going to keep them now. Thanks so much for letting me know. You know, you know what? You can't possibly know. You can't know. And even like back when I was traveling, because before COVID, I was traveling quite a bit. I always made a point of when I saw like someone, and it could be a man or a woman, whatever, but like, l- let's say it's a flight attendant and she has nice earrings on or, or a distinctive pen. I'd be like, hey, I really like that. People light up. Yes. I, I never once had someone say, you're a jerk. I mean, it's just people put effort in and it's nice. Even if it's just to say thank you, that's nice. Yeah. I you have um, a, a men's group <clears throat> that are all, you know, single and, and <clears throat> excuse me, working through their dating issues. And they, um, we've had this exercise this week to go up and speak to two women every day. Oh, wow. And it's amazing. It was a little bit of a throw off. I do coaching calls with them every week and just sort of came up as homework. I'm like, all right, everybody's going to do this. It's changed their damn world. Yeah. They're like, I had no idea. I thought that people are actually really nice. Yeah. They yeah. are nice. Yes. You know, and I think I heard, I was listening to one of your episodes and I don't remember who your guest was, but you guys were talking about just being yourself in those moments. Yeah. And Dominique, it just made me start laughing because I think about when, when Rick, my husband and I, when we first met, it was at a bar in Chicago because everybody in Chicago has their own bar. We're hanging out with our friends. And for whatever reason, he came over and he sat down next to me and he starts fiddling with something. And, and I'm like, it, and it turns out they were darts. He was putting together darts. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You know, who, who brings darts to a bar? I couldn't even, and he started laughing. We just started talking that, that, that was how we, that's how we met <laughs> just because I'm like, I can't even believe this, you know, but that there's nothing about that. That's smooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't teach that. sit next to you because he wanted to meet you or did you happen to sit in that seat? I think at the time I didn't know that, but yes, he, he, he had been noticing me for a while. So yes, he did sit down there next to me. And then, and then, you know, we started talking and he was, this was the cool thing. A lot of men had like approached me or whatever. And um, I, I just come off of a relationship. I really wasn't really interested, but with Rick, he said, so what brought you to the city? And I, I moved to the city after the bad breakup. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you know, I gave some kind of fluff answer. And I remember he took a drink of his Guinness and he, he just looked at Guinness, me. He's already got brownie points. Okay. That's right. That's good right there. And, um, and he just looked at me and he's like, that sounds really vague. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. He's actually listening. I like this guy. <laughs> I mean, isn't, he, isn't that great? I mean, and that, that was our first real interaction, but it was just both of us, like not really just being ourselves, you know? But I loved it. Yeah. And then I was like, God, I want that guy in my life. I don't know as a friend. I don't know what, but I know I wanted him in my life. And there we are 22 years later. That is amazing. I love that so much. <clears throat> that is illustrating, mostly because you're proving all the points that I make on the show. Which is <laughs> there you go. But just being real with whatever, <sighs> you know, relaxed, unattached, just here, I'm interested in your, is that really it? You're, you're actually present. You're actually engaging with conversation. You actually care. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like, if you're not real at the beginning, how long are you going to fake it? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not into that. So it's like, you might as well get get, get an idea of what you're going to get here. You know, because this is, this is who tell. I am. Like, we can always, I mean, everybody really can. I think women are especially uh, uh, sensitive and we can we can tell if you're really there or not, which probably what makes it so terrifying. Yeah, I don't, I don't Maybe so. But... That's wild. That's, that's really, really <laughs> great. I mean, just showing up and being real. I say that a lot with people with uh, people who want to sort of do have, have certain like techniques or, you know, pick up artist stuff or things like that. I'm oh, like, geez. best case scenario, if you are who you think that she wants, best case scenario, she totally falls for it. She's in love with you. You get married and now you have to be that person for, for, for forever. <laughs> who needs that? <laughs> that's exhausting. Yeah. So you're going to get tired. Look real good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. So I would love just, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I'd love for you to touch base a little bit. I know that you had, um, this is probably the main thing you normally talk about, but I think I just wanted to shoot the shit with you and, and get your, <laughs> on thing, which I've really very much enjoyed. Um, but you, you had a pretty, uh, solid injury, right. And a pretty remarkable comeback. Yeah. And it was, it was an illness. Um, yeah, back in 2000, uh, 2003, March 6th, two th- well, I say March 6th, 
it was really a 10-month buildup of wasn't taking care of myself. We'd started a new business, moved across the country, and I was getting progressively more tired. And when I say tired, like I couldn't stand up long enough to take a shower. Couldn't, you know, yeah, it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And so on March 6th, I woke up and I'm like, oh man, I barely made it into the bathroom. And I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even raise my forearm to brush my teeth anymore. That's how bad, that's how bad it was. And it was just what had happened is apparently I had mono, but I didn't take care of it. And then when you do that, that's really, really bad. And it affected my adrenal glands. And so I went into what they call, there's adrenal fatigue, there's adrenal exhaustion, and then adrenal collapse. And I had collapse. Um, And I actually had one doctor told me, we we did the adrenal test. And I was sitting in his office and he was looking at me, looked at the results, looked back at me. And he said, we're going to have to do this again. I'm like, why? I'm tired of this. And he's like, well, these results can't be right. Oh, yeah. And he said, well, these results can't be right. And I'm like, why? And he said, because you'd be dead. I'm like, oh, okay. That's not, that's not what you want to hear from your No. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, let's do those again. We didn't have again. Blood pressure taken them being like, no, that's not right. That doesn't work very well. But we did them again, and it was the exact same results. Wow. And he's like, he's like, I don't know how you are alive, but you are. So now we know what we're dealing with. And it was at that point, I was four years, three years into the process after I'd collapsed. And it was, it was about a 10-year journey back to, well, it was about a five-year journey back to not being sick. Mm. And then a 10-year journey back to really being healthy because what I, I mean, you can't spend five years where you can't really do very much. Like you can't get out of bed very much. Um, you, you get really weak. Mm. And uh, it, was, it was a long, long, long road back. But I celebrated it by, because at one point, one doctor told me, he's like, he goes, Bobby, I think you might have to accept that your days of being an athlete are over. And I'm like, no, that's yeah, not going to happen. I mean, I, I know it came from it, like he was being gentle and kind and all that kind of stuff, but I'm like, no, I've always been an athlete. I will always be an athlete. And uh, so it was like the 10 year anniversary uh, that year. I rode my bike to the top of Vail Pass. It was the first mountain summit that I did. And I cried my eyes out because I was so like, yeah. If I can do this, I am officially an athlete again. But it was, it was amazing. Just, oh my God. It was so amazing. Mm. The whole thing. Just talk about learning and learning what you're made of, learning what your partner's made of. I remember the day after I got one of the heavy diagnoses, diagnosis, and they're like, well, we don't think you're really going to ever really get better. I said to Rick, because we weren't married yet. Um, we weren't even engaged yet. And I said, listen, I know that you you didn't sign up for this. And he's five years younger than I am. I said, I know you didn't sign up for this. And if you, if you want to walk away, I would understand. Mm. And, and he just, he just hugged me and he's like, no, he goes, we'll get through this together. Mm. And it was, you know, we did, you know, it's very impressive on his part for you. That statement is, is really much more impressive on your part. (laughs) That's, that's a, that's a, that's a not an easy thing to say. And, and mean, and I have the feeling you said it and you meant it as opposed oh, to- Oh, I meant it. Yeah. You know, because it, it was the truth. And I, but I wanted him to know, like, if this is really too big, it, it would have broken my heart, yes. Mm-hmm. And, but I, wa- I wanted him to know that. It was a very genuine thing. And I'm incredibly grateful that he, he made the choice that he did. Yeah. But I, I didn't want him to be, I mean, I loved him too much for him to feel trapped. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's a level of authenticity, isn't it? He's choosing to be with you. Yeah. Versus, oh, I feel guilty or I have to. Never wanted it to be that. Yeah. You know, and we found a way to make it fun. That's our own version of fun, but we found a way to make it fun, (laughs) you know, because you had to, you were in it for a long stretch. It wasn't going to be a fast recovery. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're like a, a, a person. And I think I, I could feel this when I, when we were on the phone previously, but I can also see it a lot more when I see you on, on camera and it's like, you radiate health. You know, there's like I a do lot now. of strength in you. You like, and so that's just, again, this like resilience thing is just so, you know, yeah. that shit's happened. Okay. What are we going to do now? Yep. Like, and okay. I'll tell you what, now when I get to go out and I go biking or paddle boarding or skiing, whatever it is, I feel so unbelievably lucky yes. every day out there. And here's the other thing about it. If someone passes me on a bike, big freaking deal. They didn't have my starting place. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
go ahead, pass me. I'm lucky to be out here. Now, I don't like it necessarily, <laughs> but, but it kind of changes your perspective a little bit. You're guaranteed, uh, a, it's like a daily gratitude, pra- automatic daily gratitude practice yeah. and perspective that will serve you for the rest of your life. I mean, yeah, no doubt. And can you think of anything better? You know, it'd be great if it could have been done in a year instead of 10, but like, Ugh. you know, to, to live the rest of your life with that kind of perspective. Yeah. Would you, do you, if you could not have had that happen, would you not have had that happen? Hmm. That is a really good question. Because yeah. it was, I mean, it was hard. It was a very hard thing to get through. Um, and now it, I don't know how to answer that question because now I can't imagine it not ha- happening. Yeah, because you integrated you know, it so well. Just as you said, you've experienced difficulty, you integrated Yeah, just like I think about like with my childhood, would I wish it on someone else? No. Yeah. I wouldn't wish the illness on someone else, but it also made me very much who I am. Like when we had, you know, we had the fires come through here in October, we had to evacuate our home. It was, it was one of the fastest moving fires in U.S. history. Ooh. Yeah. And we knew that it got to our community. We actually lost 28 homes right in our community. And when we went to sleep that night and, you know, when we were evacuated, it was with the thought that our house was probably gone. And I remember like tossing and turning and worrying and blah, 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 blah. What am I going to do? All this nonsense. And then it was like, wait a minute. Are you truly telling me that this is going to be the challenge that brings you down? (laughs) I mean, seriously, is it as bad as a 10 I mean, if we have to rebuild, we, you know what? If the house burns down, we'll get a Winnebago and we'll travel until we, re- I'm, not, I'm not trying to make light of it, but really, is this the challenge that's going to that's gonna sink me? And then I thought about, think about all the adversity that you've overcome in your life. This is going to be, this is going to be nothing by compare. And I think that's the gift of adversity. It makes us strong in ways that we internalize and that just become part of who we are. And then you know what I mean? Mercury comes down the path. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big Already. deal, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna break you. It's not gonna break me. Because you're gonna be a mosaic. I'll just end the mosaic. <laughs> I mean, how do you break a mosaic, right? Like you can. It's so good. You can't. It's that good. is really good. I never thought of that before. It's so good on so many levels. Like, <laughs> like that, that the wisdom of that, of that metaphor goes so deep. Uh, and it, it is like really quite true. It's just like a lot of ways. I, I love it. That's the, holy <laughs> rock. I'm glad that came back to my mind. I, I haven't thought about that in years. Yeah. It's super beautiful. I mean, cool. the, amount of, the amount of strength. I mean, the same thing, you know, you break a, you break a bone and it like, it heals. Oh tear a ligament or even when you work out you're tearing your muscles they heal back they're they're stronger you know they have like this yeah (laughs) sort of ever-growing process oh i love it so much so okay so tell me um i've had so much fun chatting with you um tell me where is it the people can uh can find you if they want do you want coaching clients do you want people to work with you um what would you where, where would you like to send people how can they find you they can, um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. So just Bobby Kaler on LinkedIn. That's one of the key places where I am. I post a lot of stuff there. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm probably not quite as active there, but I also have my website. It's just unyielded.net. And also if they want to listen to the podcast Unyielded, which is all about this type of stuff, you know, how do we thrive no matter what happens to us, then they can, uh, they can find that there too. Love it. Wonderful. I have had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining me. It is really, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure just to, to feel your radiance and to resonate with your strength. It's really, uh, it's, it's great digging it. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. I loved it. I knew I was going to enjoy chatting with you too. I'm like, this will be fun. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but it'll be fun. Yeah. That's pretty much how I go to every episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed anybody listens. I'm like, they've no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm like, you don't mind? They don't mind? No. Okay. Great. No. Whatever, whatever needs to come up will come up. And it does. I mean, look at, look at the, you know, the, the conversation I'm realizing is like a web, you know, each thing is tying into another piece of the. Yeah. Mosaic. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I'm on a roll. I'm on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Bobby, for joining me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,
Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Dominique Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.